Hello, everybody. This is Barry Feeker. You're listening to Our Community, Our Mission on July the 19th, 2022. It's podcast 132 for those of you who are counting. And I know at least one person is counting because he's listened to every podcast. He's a board member at the mission. His name is John, and he's amazing. We're going to have him on so he can tell us what we've done for 132 (laughs) times. So if you like Our Community, Our Mission, uh, we have some ways you can help us to put the word out there because it is going universal, um, global at least to start out with. Um, We're talking Musk, he's going to take it to Mars. So anyway, uh, rate it, uh, subscribe to it, or share it. Uh, that way you can get the, this most incredible podcast out there. And this is going to be a good one today because we're going to kind of dig into not some so happy things that are going on, but the mm-hmm. real things that we do in rescue ministry. And then we've got a special uh, guest with us today who really is a man of a great investment in our mm-hmm. community. Before that, Good morning, Marion Crable, Lamanda Broyles. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, how are you guys today other than that it's going to get hot? You know, er. it's going to be hotter, <laughs> but it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a good day, right? Yeah. So we have MAP going on today uh-huh. uh, behind the Children's right Palace. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Last time we did, uh, this was over at the Family of God Church. And we had uh, around 60 different mm-hmm. uh, folks coming yeah. to, and uh, today, fortunately, being behind the Children's Palace, we have additional showers we can right. use inside the palace, so we don't have a waiting list line of three hours yeah. of people who are unsheltered trying to get help. And mm-hmm. so, Miriam, just briefly before we get into talking with Tim here, um, we're really looking at some very challenging times economically as director of supportive services. Uh, you look at our um, resources that come to the rescue mission, what the donor um, opportunities are for doing that. You uh, work with our team around communications mm-hmm. um, in regards to getting the word out there. But things are – everybody's seeing the gas prices. They're seeing the food prices. Mm-hmm. And basically, donations uh, across the country are being very challenged. Yes. And so, what's your perspective on that? <laughs> Give us some hope. <laughs> dun, well, dun, dun. Yeah. That's not a big challenge for me. That's something we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so here's here's the first thing that I am just so grateful that we have so many people that continue to invest in TRM. It's incredible, right? It's it it's still incredible. wonderful. And mm-hmm. while there are changes and challenges that we know folks who support us are facing. We hear it from them. We've watched people who give, um, let's say they gave $10 a month. You know, now they're giving five. Mm -hmm. But it's not that they don't want to give to TRM. It's Mm -hmm. that they're facing some true realities um, related to how they can spend their finances. Um, But I think that, you know, I I had shared with you, I think I talked with a friend who's a farmer rancher in central Kansas. And the cost that farmers are experiencing Mm -hmm. in Incredible, eight hundred percent increases in fertilizer. Eight hundred, eight hundred percent, not eight percent. No, eight hundred percent. The fact that rain is uh, a challenge right now. So there's drought. So they walked out onto the field that feeds their buffalo, and the grass is crunching under their feet. Well, now what does that mean in terms of that herd? Mm-hmm. You know, it's more expensive to have cows birth a calf mm-hmm. than it is to not do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you kind of start understanding, well, you've got supply chain issues, you've got all these things. So every sector of our economy is being impacted. And so are we. So what do we do? You know, Mm -hmm. what do we do? We just continue to do what we can. Um, We're charged with action. Mm -hmm. um, And we know that the Lord will provide what we're supposed to be doing. You know, in in 2020, um, at the very onset of the understanding of the pandemic, yes. we knew there was going to be people in need of food. Yes. But there was a plethora of food available. Yes. Because those uh, supplies on the farms mm-hmm. 
were healthy mm-hmm. and they were getting ready to go to restaurants and to hotels and universities and so forth, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. So there's the surplus food left over. So we were able to leverage that food for people who are hungry. We potentially may have a new group of people getting hungrier, right. again, because of the availability of food or, or the cost right? with less food to be able to get Right. Compared to 2020. Exactly. In, in the middle of 2021 as well. So yeah. we're going to have to get really creative and prayerful right. about, well, about and hung- all of these. Hunger is real. I mean, it we're is. seeing it with the people that come up to get a prepared meal uh, every evening from us. We're, we're watching those numbers grow. So people are accessing different kinds of services because they can't do for themselves what maybe they had been. You know, and I think about Operation Food Secure. And, you know, we thought that um, we were blessed with the ability to build a new refrigerated cooler and a freezer for that time. Mm -hmm. And it was. Mm -hmm. It stored an incredible amount of food. Mm -hmm. But maybe God had a bigger plan. Like maybe again. Exactly. Yeah. That we would be able to step in and have resources to then be able to pass out across the community. So what we saw in Operation Food Secure was an incredible team of volunteers yes. showing up, over 500 of them, to go to 10 counties to distribute over 4 million pounds of food and yes. feed 110,000 different people multiple times. Mm-hmm. So we've got a system. Right. We've got the places to bring the food in. But we may need some additional help getting the food yes. and being able to buy it and those kind of things Absolutely. like we did before. So, yeah, so we could go on with that. Oh, Lamanda, Lamanda, you've been mm-hmm. executive director at the Rescue Mission now for just shy of three months. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. Have you slept yet? So. Um, no, that's coming, right? In, <laughs> yeah, in year 36. 36 years yeah. later, I'm still working on sleeping now. But yeah, so Lamanda, it's, uh, I think that, you know, one of the things about you and Miriam and so many people that work at the mission is there's such joy in your hearts. Mm-hmm. We deal with some tough stuff here. Sure. It's been a tough week, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. It has yeah. been. Yeah. You know, um, it's one of those things that I'm learning uh, when someone says, how are things going at the rescue mission? That's a really loaded question, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, and my husband has joked several times that I'm probably way too honest, even maybe to a fault. Um, and so he jokes, like if we're at church and someone says, how are you? If it's been a rough morning, I'm like, man, it's been a rough morning, blah, blah, blah. And, and Jared will say, Lamanda, they didn't really want to know all that. Like, just <laughs> be politically correct, say good, you know. Um, but anyways, so we have just some of the most... Um, incredible community members that anytime I see them, whether it's at the store or church, people really want to know how is it going at the rescue mission? And um, that has really allowed me to um, learn how to give God glory in the midst of sometimes some of the most brokenness, chaotic, um, sinful interactions that we see, right? Um, because we, we're in a war zone. Mm-hmm. We, we are in battle. We're not talking about it. We're not seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the middle of it. And so being able to articulate, do we have drug problems right around the mission? Absolutely. Do we have victims of human trafficking right around the mission? Absolutely. Are they in other areas of our community? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So those things that are heartbreaking and things that we are so um, deeply fighting against um, on a spiritual level, but also a physical level, there is also this um, level of reliance on the Lord where he just shows up Mm -hmm. in huge ways where you go, phew, thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord, for that wisdom. Or thank you, Lord, for that 
donation. Thank you, Lord, for that protection, you know? And so um, it's kind of like this pendulum shift where I start talking about, yes, what all we're seeing, and it sounds so dreadful, right? And then in the same breath, I'm able to say, oh, but let me tell you what our Lord is doing every day through our people. Um, and that's one of the the biggest things that I'm learning to do is to really be honest with people and articulate it, not in a way where I'm seeming negative, but I also want to really show like, this is what's happening in our community that is negative. And here's what's happening with amazing volunteers and donors and staff. Come be a part of it. In spite of that, mm-hmm. yeah, going into that darkness. You know, people have asked me that same question over the years as director. How's it going at the mission? And I go, well, <laughs> have you ever asked the guy who was in charge of the emergency room at the hospital how it's going uh-huh, there? Yes. So kind of about the same. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're winning some, losing some, yes. but we're still in the game. You know, Lamanda, there's a lot that uh, we want to get to our guest here, but uh, uh, you shared with the board of directors last night um, mm-hmm. some incredible um, uh, kind of analogies or actually real real life uh, happenings mm-hmm. with the darkness. So something happened Saturday night mm-hmm. in regards to North Topeka lost its electricity yes. <laughs> for an extended period of time, which meant that the rescue uh-huh. mission didn't have electricity for all of our buildings, including uh, one area that we don't have space to put a generator, and that was the Hope Center for Women and Families. Yes. So you were called down. Mm-hmm. You called your deputy directors down. Yes. You called all hands on deck to be able yes. to come here to help people who were facing the darkness, but mm-hmm. something kind of special happened in the middle of that darkness. Sure. Yes. So, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had gates secure. We wanted to make sure that we were keeping an eye on just the foot traffic on the sidewalks and um, helping people if they were in need. Some people were wanting to leave. So we wanted to escort those women and families to their cars. And so it kind of took all hands on deck, which I'm so thankful for. I called all my deputies and they were all here in less than 10 minutes. Um, and so, But before that, while they were on their way, um, I really felt like two people needed to be on the sides. And I felt like the Lord was really saying, you're right here at the front because I shouldn't ask someone to do something that I'm not willing to do. So it was was pitch dark. No pitch street dark, lamps. All, all down tiny, Noto, everything. Little, little yeah. tiny flashlights. Little oh, yeah. tiny flashlight. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm hoping that I can get like a big hot pink one or something, you know, that's like a spotlight or just something. So that, that it shines bright So that it shines bright light. <laughs> um, but anyways, and so I'm keeping an eye and, and wanting to be safe because, you know, when it is 11 o'clock at night, you never know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to be very honest. And so I'm doing that and um, a male and a female pull up and they get out. He's kind of slower at getting out, and she locks eyes with me. I'm by myself, and she says, "Um, it's you. You are the one with the light. And so she shuts her door, and about this time, another male staff member realizes it, and so he comes over. He starts talking to the male, and she walks straight up to me, and she said, "Um, you're the one with the power. I need to talk to you. Keep so in mind, got a, got a I've got a little uh-huh. bitty flashlight. Flash You're yes. the one with the light. Okay, yes, that makes sense. Yes, but I'm the only uh-huh. one standing there. So I, I take a few steps over to her, and she looks at me, and she says, um, I said, can you tell me your name? She tells me her name, and she immediately says, I'm going to tell you real quick. She said, I just got out of prison in May. She said, um, I was in there for three years and she said, I, the past couple of months have been living in darkness. And she said, I've been doing a lot of stuff that I shouldn't do. I've been doing a lot of stuff that God is telling me not to do. And she said, tonight, I just realized that God was telling me to stop. And she said that the Lord told her, you need to go to the light get out of the darkness that you're living in and go to the light. And she said, so she called the sponsor that she knew and that instantly the only light they knew of in our town was the Topeka rescue mission. 
So she says that this gentleman picks her up, brings her down here. But guess what she finds, Barry? Darkness. Darkness. And it's all pitch black. There's no stoplights. There's no street lights. There's no lights on our buildings, things like that. And she said um, that in that moment, the enemy was saying, I told you, you're going to stay in the darkness. And she's sharing this with me on the sidewalk as I only have a flashlight. And she said, but then I look over and she said, then I see your light. And what had happened was I was kind of patrolling, you know, like I'm a gatekeeper or something. So I had my back turned <laughs> when I come back. With your yes, on the yes yeah. right. Um, but I turned around and she said, in that moment, she said, you had the light. And she said, and I'm going towards that. And she said, and you have the power. Do you know what power you have? And I said, I don't. What do you mean by that? And she said, she doesn't you know have, you. She, she doesn't, doesn't know, know me. You. She doesn't, doesn't know her. Oh, let me also preface this. I have no makeup on. <laughs> I'm in a ball cap. It's a good thing it was dark. T-shirt, <laughs> jeans. Yes, isn't that the truth? Jeans, flip-flops, right? I'm looking rough, Barry. I'm looking rough. Um, and definitely not like probably what an executive should look like. But it's 11 o'clock at night. That's my excuse. And... um <laughs> So she's telling me that I have the power. And she said, do you know what I mean by that? And I said, I don't. And she said, you have the power of prayer. And she said, the Lord is telling me to come to you right now because you're the one holding the light. And she hands out her hands and she says, please pray over me. And so I moved my flashlight and I I prayed for her. I prayed for her just being able to take that first step. I prayed that whatever demons had been keeping her in the dark, that that would be a moment of freedom and that... You know, we just, we went into an in-depth prayer. And as she turned away from me, Barry, in that moment, I don't know if, I don't know what her story is, right? I don't know what's the truth, what isn't. I don't know what's sincere, what isn't. I don't know what the future holds. But what I do know are even a blackout, um, a situation where it's stressful, a situation where you're unsure and it's a uh, real late on a Saturday night, God can still turn that and be tugging on people's hearts to win them for his kingdom. All we have to do is show up mm-hmm. and be there. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, I'm, it's not my place to judge what she's going to do now on. In that moment, it wasn't even time for me to, to solely get into a, a theology discussion about Jesus. It was to call her by name. It was to smile at her. It was to encourage her for that first step and to love that person that was in front of me, regardless of the chaos around me. And, you know, you you have those opportunities all the time at the rescue mission where it almost just seems like the world stops for that moment. And then as soon as you you do whatever God calls you to do in that moment, then there's something else that happens yeah. and you go to that moment. Um, so a lot of darkness um, physically. A lot of darkness when you're talking about spiritual warfare that people are facing all around us. Um, But we can't dwell on that because we know the ultimate provider of the light. And if we're walking in obedience, we are a a portion of that light um, every day. And it's a light that won't go out. Thanks for sharing that. Tim, is that cool? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Cool, cool. <laughs> That's Tim pretty Collins incredible. is with us today. He is the pastor of Capital City Church in North Topeka. Welcome, Tim. Hey, thanks. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this, this is the kind of stuff that you know happens at mm-hmm. Topeka Rescue Mission, and you know sure. happens 
in North Topeka and everywhere else. And and because uh, you you've been on the front lines of ministry for quite some time. Appreciate you coming today. Um, we just are so blessed because of your heart. But Tim, before we get to talking about Capital City Church and talking about that, t- talk us about where you were before you came to Topeka and what brought you here. Okay, so my wife and I both were born and raised in Central Florida, and we met there, we got married there, uh, and I was a pastor there for 11 years, and along the way, as a pastor, I uh, became aware of an organization called Trash Mountain Project, Mm -hmm. which is local here in Topeka, it's an international Mm -hmm. ministry that's based here in Topeka, but what a lot of people don't understand is it actually started in Central Florida, Mm -hmm. which is how I became aware of it. Uh, at its inception. I didn't know it was its inception. I just heard about it. So our church started partnering with them. I didn't know we were the first church to partner with them. <laughs> uh, and so we started going on these trips. And, and really along the way, what God was doing is bringing, I think, my heart into alignment with what I knew in my head was important, which is there are needy people mm-hmm. everywhere, locally, internationally, everywhere. There are people in need and I think we had said that we cared about it, and we knew that it was the right answer to say that you cared right. about it, but we weren't always taking action the way that we should. So we just started going on trips, and and it, interestingly enough, as we increased our involvement overseas— Trips all over the world. All over the right. world, yeah. Two of the we worst, started most build, impoverished places in the world, these dumps. We started building houses in Honduras mm-hmm. for people who were living in garbage dumps. We would go every year. We would take a trip— and we would raise all the money for all the materials, and then we would a team would go down and buy the materials and build them. And, you know, that then made us more aware of need in our community mm-hmm. because that's how it works, because God's mm-hmm. now bringing your heart into alignment. It's a, it's a part of growing as a disciple, mm-hmm. which even as leaders, we grow as disciples. We grow in sanctification and, mm-hmm. and aligning mm-hmm. our actions and our life with what we know is true. So, uh, yeah, Trash Mountain Project, uh, Brett Durbin, who's the executive director. Great guy. He is, yeah. Mm -hmm. He uh, asked if I would consider coming on staff to coach their international leaders because that was something else God was doing in my heart, just wanting to invest in other leaders. And I initially told him no, and then my wife wisely said, well, you know, we have to pray about it. (laughs) You can't just say no. Which is code word, you're going to listen to me too. That's right, that's right. Well, she just has so much discernment. She's more wise than I can even think about being. But, um, I, you know, I was just on a perspective. I had only pastored that one church. I had my plan, which was I, what I thought was God's plan. I'm going to retire from this church. I'm going to only pastor one church my entire life. I'm not climbing any ladders. I'm not looking, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm content. I'm here. But my wife wisely said, but we still have to pray. <laughs> so God moved us to Topeka, which was, you know, that's a whole nother podcast. It's a long story. <laughs> Part but two. Ne- ne- yeah, needless to say, we wound up moving from Central Florida to Topeka, Kansas, and feeling perfectly content. We left our families. Mm. All of our family on both sides are all right there. Mm-hmm. We took our kids away from their grandparents. Mm-hmm. It was It was no small thing. And so you can only do that when you know that this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I'll never forget my dad, who is, you know, one of the godliest men that I know, saying, when we told my mom and dad that we were going to move here, he said, we don't want you to move. But if God wants you there, then we don't want you here. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. I could hear his heart. Well, Maybe he was just tired of me. That's I don't know. <laughs> but also his heart of saying God's will is where you need yeah. to live. Yeah. And so as we would hear people say, why would you leave your home? It just sounded like a foreign question to me because my home is wherever my wife sleeps. Mm-hmm. If that's in Topeka or Alaska or Manila, that's my home. Home mm-hmm. is, is where yeah. God's called you to be. And mm-hmm. so we've just felt contentment here. How many years now in Topeka? N- uh, nine years. Nine years. So August 1st actually will be nine years that we've been here. So just a few days from now. Mm-hmm. So Tim, uh, you said something. Uh, going abroad mm-hmm. made you more aware of local. Yes. Um, my, my paraphrasing of what you said. That's it. So... I'm assuming that was part of the decision then to depart from Trash Mountain to start this church. It was. Yes. It was. I am not a, a thrill seeker. Mm. I'm not an adventurer. I didn't particularly enjoy travel because mm-hmm. there are people who do. There mm-hmm. are people who love That's the idea. That's a lot of hard traveling, too. It's a lot of hard mm-hmm. traveling. You know, there were several years where I was in Southeast Asia five times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a lot over yeah, the course yeah. of a year. Just about the time you've adjusted from jet lag, you're going back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But I I was going because that was the context God had called me to minister in, and travel was a necessary part of mm-hmm. doing the ministry. I didn't look forward to it. I, did, I, don't, I mean, I wasn't miserable, mm-hmm. but it was just a necessary thing that you endured. But it was just about understanding that there's need everywhere. Yeah. And that's the need that God had called me to address in that moment. You know, but along the way, when we moved here, we lived in Hoyt, which mm-hmm. is, you know, north of here for a year, a little over a year. Mm-hmm. And then we moved down to Brickyard Road, which is still here in North Topeka. So for uh, and when we moved here, we didn't know anything about Topeka. Mm-hmm. But it just so happened that we wound up moving to North Topeka, which for us was a great fit. Mm-hmm. And we attended Topeka Bible Church, which I know is a huge partner with Mm -hmm. the rescue mission, and and rightly so. It's an amazing church. And all those years of driving into church, you have to remember I'm from the South, Mm -hmm. and there's a church on every corner. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's one in the middle because it's split from one of the ones (laughs) on the corners. So, you know. Are they all Baptists? (laughs) Half of them. Half of them all. So... Moving here, it was just observational because I've done this a long time. I just, Mm -hmm. looking around, noticed there just aren't a lot of churches here. Mm -hmm. Like, people think there are a lot of churches here, but there aren't a lot of churches here. Mm -hmm. So for us, as we were just feeling a pull, my wife and I had been continually praying, maybe God was calling me back into pastoral ministry. And I'm not going to say that I had a dream where God spoke to me in an audible voice and said, plant this church, it was almost more logic mm-hmm. of going, hey, we've bought a house up north because, you know, God had really led us to Psalm 37, uh, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Mm-hmm. We bought a little farm up north. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just decided this is where God's called us to be. We're going to raise our kids here. And so for me, it was more of almost a linear thing of looking around and going, well, if this is where I live... And God's called me to be a pastor, and we need more pastors. We need some more churches up north. Bloom where you're planted. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So so you lived up north. You felt logically this is where God wanted you to go back into the pastorate, mm-hmm. establish this church called Capital City Church. What, what has he shown you about 
the reason that you are in North Topeka, not just because you lived here and it's logical, hmm. but what, what does he kind of put on your heart now about the impact that Christ wants to make in North Topeka um, and through Capital City? That's a great question. Um, I, I think it's that there's need everywhere mm-hmm. if you open your eyes and see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that in every context, there are people who are in need. And actually what we need is for people in every context, for believers in every context to roll up their sleeves and kind of bloom where they're planted mm-hmm. to say, hey, I'm going to take this area. You know, I want to circle back. It was the, the initial idea of why not plant a church here where we live was a logical thing. But, you know, God invaded as God does. Mm-hmm and started some initial conversations about the idea of possibly planting a church, which, I mean, really, in this, that was in the fall of 2019. God started this snowball. I, I tell people, remember the scene in Indiana Jones where he's running and there's the <laughs> boulder behind him? Okay. That's how this whole thing feels with Capital City Church. I'm just trying to outrun it. It wasn't a good idea to stop and look back? Oh, no, no, no. no. And <laughs> we had an elders retreat this weekend, and we talked about um, moving at the speed of God. Mm. So often, God, you want him to speed up, but he's at his pace. He moves at his pace, but sometimes he's moving quickly, yeah. and you're just trying to stay ahead of it. <laughs> we know that one. You've yes. seen both. <laughs> so that's kind of where we are as a church is that we're just trying to stay ahead of it. But just to look around and to say, so I think, th- I think the way I would answer that question is the same thing when I hear people, and I've heard it for nine years, why would you move from Florida mm-hmm. to Kansas? which to me sounds like a crazy question because there are people in Kansas who have need and who decided that Florida is more important than Kansas. Mm -hmm. You know, they call us flyover. Well, it it actually turns out it's quiet and it's a nice place to live. So we're going to get a multi-billion dollar investment on making batteries here. So (laughs) it ain't too bad a place. (laughs) That's right. Right. (laughs) So even for living up North, we just love it because it's a context that fits for us. And yet at the same time, there are people up north who have a need, and we are thinking in terms of kind of maybe from the Kansas River all the way north to the border Mm -hmm. of Nebraska Mm -hmm. because we want to be a church that plants churches. Okay. And so we already have several conversations in the works of what does it look like to plant Mm -hmm. in all of these Mm -hmm. small towns Mm -hmm. that have been maybe forgotten I, yeah. I did air quotes there. You can't <laughs> hear that. We heard the air quotes. Yeah. The, you know, they've, they've been forgotten because uh, we think, oh, well, these churches aren't viable. Well, you know, the average church in America has 70 to 100 people in it. Those churches aren't failures. Mm-hmm. There's actually, you can be known, you can be loved. Any church of any size can either be healthy or unhealthy. So what does it look like to create healthy churches in these contexts? Because at the end of the day, when they have a 4th of July bash in Holton or Hoyt or Mm -hmm. Meriden or Silver Lake or wherever, there should be local churches celebrating that. Mm -hmm. I know those people are willing to drive to Topeka, but churches in Topeka can't always care about those smaller communities in the same way. Mm-hmm. Tim, I don't, I don't necessarily believe this statement is accurate, but there is a term called post-Christian era, mm-hmm. meaning that the time of Christianity is past. Mm-hmm. And so one can only imagine what 
uh, thinking behind that is or where they think that's going. In other words, they're going to rub it out, right. which we know that won't happen. Right. But in this culture that we're in today, for a person who is thinking post-Christian era, it, 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 it's something that was great for my grandparents, but not necessarily for me. What's the value of church today? Oh, boy. Um, I think it's all in how you answer the question, or f- to put it more specifically, if you or I or any of us heard someone say it's the post-Christian era, I would want to know, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know if I agree with you or not. Mm-hmm. It, are we moving into an era where Christianity seems to have a diminishing influence on our culture? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. if you, I mean... We don't want to get caught up in a culture war, and I tell the people at our church this all the time. We're not in a culture war, but humanity is certainly in a war against God. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. So you can't discount that. There is a war going on, but it's not this group against those group. It's all of humanity against yeah. God. Yeah. So understanding that, is Christianity's influence in, in, in our culture diminishing? Well, that's a discussion we could have. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it any less Christianity any less important. So for us, mm-hmm. I think it's all, as I was listening to you talk about um, the challenges that you've gone through, mm-hmm. you know, we're a church that launched in the middle of COVID. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we don't, you know, well, I a lot, t- lot of organizations, including many churches, were saying, we're going to put everything on pause right now. We're not starting right. anything new. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I remember a friend texting me and who is a pastor here in town, he texted me right after all the churches figured out that they were going to be closed for a little while. They didn't know how long, mm-hmm. but we're suspending everything. He texted me because he knew we were about to launch our core group, mm-hmm. and we were going to launch our services in August of 2020. So this would have been like, I don't know, April of 2020. Mm-hmm. He texted me. I remember him saying, I know what I'm going through. I can't imagine what it's like to be in the middle of trying to launch a church and now everything's shut down. Um, I guess it's back to the drawing board. <laughs> and I texted, I, I hadn't really thought of it that way. Uh-huh. And I, my response, which was almost immediate, I texted him back and said, we were already at the drawing board. So <laughs> it's actually easier for us to pivot. Yeah, true. So, but what that, what that forced us to do as a church is to think through Kind of, you have to have a foot in both worlds. You have to have a foot in the eternal, and then you have to have a foot in your current context. Mm-hmm. And you can, and so when we think about eternal, we we also think about big things like vision. What's important to us? What matters to us? Which should be driven by the eternal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So for us, it's going. How does that then manifest itself in the context? So if the context changes, it doesn't change your vision. It doesn't change what matters to you, but it very well may change how your vision is manifested That's because right. your context That's changed. Right. Right. There's there are no easy contexts. Mm-hmm. So when you shift from one to the other, or in some cases, the hard gets dialed up. Mm-hmm. Things get harder. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I think. One of the secrets for us to live with uh, joy in the middle of trouble is to lean into that foot that's planted in eternity mm. and to lean into that foot that's planted in vision and mission and strategy because that's all kind of defined mm. together. And then to ask ourselves, okay, based on that, what does it look like here? I think about how joyous the New Testament church was. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were in a difficult context. They were, weren't they? Yes. But they were generous. Mm-hmm. And they were joyful, and it was driven by that 
there's something about who we are that is that we see value somewhere else mm-hmm. and it's permanent. Yeah. It's imperishable and undefiled and not it's not going to fade away first Peter 1, right? Mm-hmm. It's all of these things that's where that hope comes from for us. Mm-hmm. So how do we let that hope define and inform and really drive the context, which is where strategy happens, right? right. On right. the on the street. So, Tim, what I think I'm hearing you say is that there's a recognition that in spite of everything that's going on, whether we are uh, in a arguable post-Christian era, whether we may have a pandemic, we try and start churches, whether we have economic upside down, that you personally believe and would be then building a um, group of people mm-hmm. who are not afraid to step into that reality mm-hmm. to head it head it uh, head on but also to keep that foot firmly planted in that hope mm-hmm. in that joy and so you know I, I look around and there's a lot of people in the quote-unquote body of Christ who are about as discouraged as anybody else right now right. Um, there are many churches they're wondering if we should stay in business now mm. um, there my, my, my big question to them is uh, why are you here in the first place mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times it's because we've always been here <laughs> uh, right, that's right. not a real great reason for doing anything, you know. Right. Um, I could say I've uh, always driven a 1951 um, Chevy, but it doesn't run anymore. So, <laughs> you know, um, so, you know, I mean, it's pretty, you know, right. they're all polished up, but, you know, it didn't go anywhere. And so maybe it's time to update. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, so for the impact that God has called you and planted you in North Topeka, which is very clear, and I really admire that because you, mm-hmm. you, you, you didn't have the uh, you didn't have anything fall out in, from heaven and hit you on the head with it, but the practicality of it, which God oftentimes is very practical, mm-hmm. and also gives us the woo woo times as well. But you said I'm going to plant here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to navigate through, regardless of pandemic or whatever. So what what so that that's great. So what do you see about the needs of the area you're planted in and what Capital City Church can do to be the hands and feet of Christ in that? Well, my mind immediately wants to answer that in two different ways, two different contexts. So, for instance, we're a Southern Baptist church, uh, which the way that the SBC is set up, it's state conventions. So we actually belong to a state convention. So in Florida which is the church that I pastored also as Southern Baptist, we were one of 2,500 Baptist churches in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Now, Florida has a bigger population than Kansas, right. for certain, so right. we're not comparing apples to apples. But just as a context, 2,500 Southern Baptist churches in Florida. In Kansas, they actually have combined Kansas and Nebraska into one convention. There are about 400 churches. Mm-hmm. Southern Baptist churches. Mm-hmm. So in two states, there are 400. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, I love to see God work, and I love to see the supernatural, and I love to see the miraculous, but I'm, I'm also just wired to kind of be a data guy. Mm-hmm. I want to see numbers. I want to see a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. When you look at the fact that, like, overwhelmingly new churches reach new believers and baptize new people five times faster than existing churches do. If we say that we're living in a context where we need, the church needs to grow, we need to win more people to Christ, which is always our context, right? Mm-hmm. The best evangelism strategy that we could have for an area is to plant new churches. Mm-hmm. 
which is the reason why not only we planted this church, but we are going to be a church that plants churches. So the need, spiritually speaking, is there. We want to plant churches, and and we really lean into discipleship. I think every church does. Mm-hmm. We're not just about evangelizing, but what is it? What does it take to help people? For us, our discipleship strategy is is, is driven by our understanding of the gospel which, uh, you know, our elder retreat this weekend, we actually talked about this and we kind of whiteboarded it out that it, we, we have to have a proper understanding of sin, which we don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want mm-hmm. that. That's depressing, right? It is depressing. That's the point <laughs> yeah. of sin, right? So. But, but, you know, drive right into the middle of it and understanding yeah. mm-hmm. and, and personal, my sin, not someone else's sin, but my sin. What that does is it sets the stage for you to understand grace. Mm-hmm. Then you really see grace in its fullness, in its depth. We cannot and, understand the grace until we understand the dark. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't. Mm-hmm. can. and, and the more you understand the dark, the more you understand grace. And so that's the pro- for us, mm-hmm. that is the, the process of discipleship mm-hmm. is a deeper understanding of your own sin, which then deepens your understanding, your appreciation for God's grace, which then drives joy. Mm-hmm. So That's your response, and and so we want to be not just people who are obedient, but people who are obeying out of joy. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna play the literal devil's advocate here. <laughs> That's not very relevant in this day and age. Yeah, I'm not very relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not even. I I'm, I don't. That's not politically safe. No, it's, no, no. We're not looking to be offensive, certainly, uh, but we want to be a church that is. We just speak truth in an authentic way. So why is that important? Boy, because people can spot a fake. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not calling anyone else fake. I'm saying if I choose to soft pedal something that I know is real, we want to be gentle in the way we communicate and we want to be thoughtful and we want to be kind because those are the, that's the fruit of the Spirit at work. But we want to. It, it's a fool's choice to say I'm going to let go of truth so that I can be kind. Mm-hmm. It, it, the The difficult thing is, and I see churches all across Topeka doing this well. We have to hold to both. We have to hold to truth yes. and to kindness. Yes. We have to do both of these things. But um, it's kind of like Jesus taught us. Yeah, mm-hmm. he cut, was. Cut, he's cut, the model. Do it that way. Yeah, it's John one. He he's full of grace and truth. Yes, mm-hmm. he's yes. full of both yes. of these things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the value of being planted here. And you said there was something else. This, yeah, that's the spiritual side. The practical side is, um, you know, I, we. I, I said before we started this podcast, I don't think of the rescue mission as a North Topeka entity, although it, there's, you know, you're doing a lot of work up North. You are a Topeka entity. You're ministering to the mm-hmm. entire city, mm-hmm. but we do kind of accidentally get to be neighbors. That's fun. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah, is. Right. Uh, so for us to, you know, we're, we're just trying to find out what's going on here. And um, so we're, we, are doing more and more with Logan Elementary, which mm-hmm. is a, a great school that has a, a lot of kids who are in need. And so we found out, we heard through the SBC, they have an organization called Send Relief, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the domestic mm-hmm. missions arm. 
And so they were offering free backpacks mm-hmm. to, to churches. You, you want to, we'll give you the backpacks, you pack them with school supplies and help kids. And so we immediately emailed him and said, hey, we'll take 70 of those. Mm-hmm. And then we called up Logan and said, what kind of school supplies do you need? We're going to bring some backpacks. And, and also knowing that there are churches like Northland who are already working in Logan and Lighthouse works at Logan. And so we really want to be, we're not in competition with anyone. Right. We're not. So we're is, the, is, the, is there communication between other churches in this area? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah it, church, communication between churches, I learned this during my time in Florida, it's organically and it always starts with, between the pastors. Mm-hmm. If the pastors know yeah. each other, they're grabbing mm-hmm. lunch together, they're grabbing coffee together, mm-hmm. they're, they're praying for each other, mm-hmm. texting each other, then that's going to build relationships between churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's extremely important in any kind of organizational system. It's extremely important. Well, as you know, Tim, um, the, the Lord has clearly made it uh, evident to you what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the how is always unfolding because <laughs> the Lord sometimes got the ball rolling up behind us, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's ahead of us. We mm-hmm. need to catch up. I remember uh, uh, another Baptist Southern Baptist pastor, Clark Johnson in Topeka, oh, yeah. used to say, "We need need to find out what the Holy Spirit's doing and try to catch up." That's mm-hmm. and so uh, not go over here and say, "Holy Pretty Spirit, biblical. you want to join us over here?" Because That's he's right. never into that. That's right. Um, and we find out the hard way that That's he's right. never into that. But if he's doing something, let's find out what it is and let's go join him there. And it sounds like that's what you are doing and and, and where you're leading Capital City Church. How old is the church? When does it meet? And where does it meet? Uh, so the church is coming up on our second anniversary of public meetings in August. Uh, we meet right now at Heritage Christian School mm-hmm. on, on Sunday mornings. We met at Faith Family Life Center, which is another example of a great church up north here, mm-hmm. and I'm friends with the pastor. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, when COVID hit, we were originally planning to meet at Seaman High School in the auditorium, mm-hmm. and then they couldn't rent. So the pastor says, why don't you just use our church on Saturday nights? Mm-hmm. So we did that for a while. We've now moved to Heritage. And at, Heritage is located at, where? At, at, on uh, oh my 2000 gosh. Northwest Clay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Resources. I've got your back, Pastor. I knew it was Clay. Yes. I knew it was Clay. I couldn't remember the number. And I just left there 30 minutes ago. <laughs> So we meet there on Sunday mornings at ten. Okay, ten o'clock. All right. um, and we are it's 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 real. It's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it is. So, yeah, so. and and that's what people I think Tim are really looking for today is real, and they're not finding them too many places. Right. And when I say real, I what I, I, that was kind of tongue in cheek. I mean, like it's you park where you can and you come. Oh, that in kind of real. That kind of real. Yeah, yeah. it's well, not ideal. <laughs> It's not ideal. Okay. Always. Right. But, it, I mean, it's a great context well, for you've a school. you got a rule, right? When it rains? That's right. Okay. And so right. for us, <laughs> you know, we're Heritage has graciously allowed us to meet there, but we're, you know, it's it's we're still we're still figuring out how to sure. do it. We met sure. in an old, old uh, Grange Hall many years ago with a church, and uh, um, <laughs> it was a church plant, and there was no air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And so about this time of year, we would call it the Sunday of Hell. <laughs> so we'd be drenched, sweating by the time we got out. And we thought we were being great martyrs until somebody said, why is nobody coming here? And we said, let's try some air conditioning. So we did some air conditioning. The place started filling up. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, we, can, we can do some of those. Yeah, things. you know, I've worshipped when I was with Trash Mountain Project. I've worshipped, you know, in churches yes. with dirt floors. And there were six yeah. of us and the dudes up front with a karaoke machine. And it, God's there. God's yes. there. But you also mm-hmm. can't 
diminish the fact that Americans are used to air conditioning. And yeah. and I I'm in agreement with them. I I'd like to have it. So it's we don't we don't think it makes us more spiritual. It I found that it does not. It does it did not. not make us any more spiritual. We were just kind of like, why are we going to church? But we can do it if that's what we got. And right. then if you're going to um <laughs> Brett asked me if I was interested in going to um Kenya, I think. Yes. And so I was talking to somebody about Kenya, and they said, uh, "Go, don't go when it's really hot. And I talked to Brett the other day, and I said, Brett, I just don't want to go when it's really hot. And he goes, Barry, it's always hot in Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, but, uh, Tim, uh, we appreciate you, appreciate what you've done yes. um, with Trash Mountain, what you're doing in the mm. community now. We're excited that you're in North Topeka. Um, mm. We're in North Topeka, but we're everywhere, as you're you everywhere. mentioned, uh, as a rescue mission. But I'm excited, and I know Miriam and Lamanda and the Ministry of Topeka Rescue Mission are excited about the body of Christ that is preparing itself for what God's calling us to do. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be in the right place to be able to do the right thing. We saw that in the pandemic. We saw the body of Christ stepping up in the midst of danger. And as Miriam was talking, Lamanda um, was sharing with us, there is darkness. Mm. People are in the dark. They need yes. light. And sometimes all we got to do is show up with a little tiny flashlight. Mm, but right. show up, be prepared to be able to be that light, not right. only shine that light, but to be that light. And that's what uh, I know about you, and mm. uh, which we're very honored to yes. have you with us here. Well, I appreciate that. I, when Lamanda was telling that story, I was just imagining in my mind what it must have been like to be to have pitch black mm-hmm. for blocks and then turn the corner and see someone even holding a small light yes well you can see it from yeah. blocks away mm-hmm. you know and, and and god will touch people's hearts i i, I wasn't planning on sharing this but uh, you know it kind of ties in when we moved from an old rescue mission uh to build a new one mm-hmm. in 1991 um there was a cross on the outside of the old rescue mission that was neon lit up, said Jesus saves. And so it had been around a very long time. I think it mm-hmm. came from Gary, Indiana, on top mm-hmm. of a former director's car, and he brought it down mm-hmm. and we hung it up. And so you know, I was thinking it's pretty old. Maybe it's time to update mm-hmm. and get something that was a little more modern, you know, mm-hmm. and wasn't neon. <laughs> and uh, so I was at a big community meeting. Um, we had about 140 people there, a lot of community leaders, uh, both sides of the aisle on politics, everything. We were casting vision about building this new shelter. And somebody said in the audience, what about that uh, cross? What are you going to do with that? Are you going to save that cross or are you going to get something different? And I said, yeah, that's a great question. I think maybe we're going to probably, you know, let that say it's had its time and maybe put just a wooden cross or something on the building. In the back of the room, a lady stands up and says, I'd like to say something about that. And I go, uh-oh, I know her. She used to stay at the rescue mission. I'm going, okay. So she made her way up to the front. She said, I want to let you also know something. When I came to Topeka here a few years ago, it was in the fall, and it was raining, and it was foggy outside, and it was at night, and mm. it was scary. And somebody said, you need to go to the rescue mission because she didn't have a place to go. She have a dime to her name except the gas in her car. She said, my defroster didn't work. And so I'm driving around in North Topeka and I'm lost and I don't know where to go. Mm. And we didn't have no tow back in those days. So we didn't have all that, you know, there's a lot of bars and those kind of things. And she said, I kept wiping off the windshield, kept wiping. I can't find the rescue mission. I can't find the rescue mission. And she said, and all of a sudden I looked up and here was this Jesus saves. And she goes, I knew I was home. How great is that? And so... We had about 140 people 
applaud her, stand up, and you better keep that cross. Yes. <laughs> and you immediately said, we're keeping the cross. We're keeping yes. the cross, yes. And there's a whole other story about how that all worked out. But but anyway, the point of all it is is that there's physical light and there's spiritual light. Right. And God's called us to be light bearers, uh, so whether good. that's a bed, whether it's food, whether it's a flashlight in total pitch darkness, mm. whether it's the church equipping people to come and help us do that, and leaders like you who are teaching about the light, who are being a vessel of the light yourself, saying, I'm going to plant where I'm supposed to be planted, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do to be light. And so, You know what I you... love about that, to take that even a step further, is that light, that cross, that physical cross, mm-hmm. is a, it's an ongoing legacy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It was shining light how many years ago? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's and it's right. shining light 10 years exactly. ago, and it's shining light today, and it's mm-hmm. going to be shining light in the future. Yes. And it's just, Christians have existed in every context throughout you know, the last 2,000 years, some really difficult contexts. Mm-hmm. And in every context, those believers go, what does it mean to be faithful right here? Yeah, that's it. Faithful right now. Shine. I don't have to solve everybody's problems. Right. What does it look like to be faithful right here, right now, and shine that light? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tim Collins, who is pastor of Capital City Church, uh, meets on Sundays now, not yes, Saturdays, but Sundays, right. 10 a.m. at Heritage Christian School. Yes. And uh, we just thank you for joining us today. Yes. And thank you for listening to our community, our mission. You've heard about some light today. In the midst of darkness, and that is really where Topeka Rescue Mission is, is trying to be the light in the midst of many people's darkness. And uh, you may be facing darkness yourself, and uh, today might be one of those days. I hope that you've listened to all of this podcast to just to know you're not alone. And it's not a, just about uh, your circumstances that uh, has happened in the past, but what God wants to lead you to in the future, to plant where you are, to be the light that God's called you to be and to shine his light in your heart. Thank you for listening to our community, our mission. If you'd like more information about Topeka Rescue Mission, you can go to our website at trmonline.org. That's trmonline.org. Thank you for listening to our community, our mission.